Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a person who knows cheap food is not cheap, and a person excited about the year 2020. Uh, 2020 is the 20th year of the third millennium, the 20th year of the 21st century, and the first year of the 2020s decades. Um, 2020 is also an expression, 2020 um, good eyesight. And there's also a phrase, hindsight is 2020, which means, oops, <laughs> I made a mistake, oops. But what about foresight 2020? What is it that we want for ourselves, for our planet, and for each other? And, and that's the topic of today's joy, today's show, how to create more joy and more humanity in our lives. And we're pr- very pleased to have in studio with us Sarita Parikh um, with uh, Joe Manatee. Hi, thank Hi. you. Thank you for having me. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yes. So what a beautiful name. I love this name, Joe Manatee. Tell mm. us, what do you mean by Joe Manatee? Thank you. It's, uh, well, it's a combination of joy and humanity. Uh, more joy, more humanity. That's our mission. Um, we uh, we have many, many goals, but probably our biggest goal is to help cultivate more joy and more humanity, uh, not only inside of ourselves, but in our relationships and our communities and in the world in general. So our goal is to really kind of take uh, the temperature down. I think right now we're living in pretty tough times and help people build the skills, build the habits to really cultivate uh, more of what they want in their lives, more of what they want in their relationships and their communities. I like that word temperature because, um, I mean, do we have a healthy temperature right now as a culture? Or do- yeah, th- I think uh, that's probably the genesis of Jomanity uh, in my mind is that um, just as a culture, we've been, um, we've taken on these practices and these habits that are, I think, maybe just degrading, I think, the culture in general. Uh, and this is not just the United States. This is democracies all over the world. Uh, we have um, polarization, as everyone knows. I think outrage is in vogue, which is, uh, you know, if you think about anger, you think about outrage, you know that those are really toxic emotions. Um, but they are very common now. It's almost like it's a trend. Uh, we label, we have bubbles. We have a lot of stuff that's really, really tough. And, um, you know, if you talk to any one person, people are really, uh, they're saddened by it. This is not our expectation for where we for how we want the world to be. And yet, uh, this is what we're promoting collectively. And so I think, not just humanity, I think there's a lot of people, obviously, very, very concerned and interested in working on this. But our own take is this idea that uh, when we think about humanity, that uh, the only person we can really control is ourselves. Like, you know, each of us, you make up humanity, I make up humanity, uh, collectively, um, we, we form what it is, what it means to be human. And we, uh, in that spirit, the only person we can control is ourselves. So really being aware of, like, what is it that I'm thinking and feeling? And before taking action on that, like, actually stopping to take a moment, deliberate, you know, really, what is it that I want to put out into the world? So how do I, do I want to redirect my thoughts? Do I want, how do I want my energy to be? Um, You know, our social norms right now are so focused on this idea of, you know, especially in, you know, the always Trumpers and the never Trumpers, you know, such an extreme polarization there. Um, we just jumped to all these conclusions. We say one or two words and everyone sort of seems to know what that means. And our goal here is to look at this a little bit more um, thoughtfully and recognize that whoever you meet, uh, that all humans have really the shared, same shared goals. You know, we all want to be safe and we want, our, we want to have great food, healthy food. We want our kids to have great opportunities and do better than us. Want the world to be a happy place, um, and so what role can each of us play in that? Fun conversation. Now we want to co- connect these big ideas with technology and the food movement and how we are with each other. Let's take a few steps back. Tell us about your personal background. Uh, I am. I'm actually not a native Minnesotan. I've been here for about 17 years. Um, I consider myself Minnesotan now. Um, I will say it's January as we tape this, and uh, I grew up in Texas. My family, my parents immigrated from India. So culturally, genetically, I'm not made for Minnesota winters. And um, so every January, even though I love Minnesota, every January I just find myself wearing two tar- two <laughs> parkas, wearing like electric toe warmers. And I just look around and I'm like, what life choices did I make to be here right now? How did this happen? Um, but outside of January, I, I find that Minnesota is really the best place for me. Um, 
I think we're very lucky. I think the people here are amazing. Uh, my own background is professionally is that I started off in technology. I'm an engineer by training. Um, I have worked in a number of different industries, finance, education, healthcare, um, mostly in technology and product kinds of roles. And then about three months ago, uh, actually for years, I've been really worried about what is happening with humanity and sort of this arc that we're taking collectively. And a few months ago, I thought, okay, this is a chance to do something. Um, what impact can I have amongst myself, with my friends, with my community? What can we do to have an impact? Yeah, and I think this this is what we all want to do, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, talking about that hindsight, how to transform um, hindsight 2020 to Mm -hmm. foresight 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, And you wrote that in the last few years, we've included relentless dripping damage to humanity, polarization, disinformation, social media um, echo chambers, forms of relentless daily dings, some so small, we don't even know they're happening when they're happening. And all these small digs add up to something big. Um, we are experiencing at-scale degradation of humanity. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's true. I think if you look at uh, politics, if you look at propaganda today, uh, this idea that people can't agree on basic facts is really uh, is disheartening. Uh, if you think about social media and um, particularly a lot of the big, the bigger social media tools that we use, uh, they're driven by AI. And AI is, um, by nature, it's based on data, it is, it, but it doesn't have human ethics. It doesn't have human values brought into it. And so because of that, uh, unintentionally, it's quite exploitative. And if you think about echo chambers, for example, or conspiracy theories on YouTube, um, a lot of these were no, no one ever intended for people to think that the world was flat. No one ever intended for uh, there to be these big claims that the Sandy Hook massacre was was rigged. I mean, those are those are unbelievable, right? And yet, um, those are things that have just naturally come out of how the how um, social media works today. Right, and the artificial intelligence is exploiting our cognitive biases. So we almost have, like, people make money from intention, and if I can, if I say something really dramatic, I can get your attention, and then I get those eyeballs on me, and so we're all kind of speeding up, and this is the world we're creating, and yuck! Yeah, it's pretty horrible. I think Alex Jones might be the most famous example of it, but yeah, it's uh, a deliberate, like, there's maybe two ways to look at it. One is people who are exploiting the system intentionally, Uh, creating fake news, all of those sorts of things. And they can be so sensational that you can't help but click on the link because you're curious. And so you click on the link, they get five five cents in advertising, you know, multiply that times millions of viewers, that adds up to real money. Okay, so how do we empower ourselves to be healthy in this um, toxic, unhealthy world? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it is, uh, is back to the basics, things that we already know. So we already understand this idea of giving people the benefit of the doubt that we have more in common than we have different like we we know those things intellectually uh, but it actually takes a little bit of work to practice those day to day and so uh, of course foundationally a big part of it is just being aware and so whatever people whatever practices people have for that awareness whether it's meditation or running or prayer or whatever it is uh, but being connected enough to ourselves to recognize what is my body telling me like what are these you know, sometimes you have physical feelings. They may not manifest as thoughts, but you know, particularly around pain, particularly particularly around um, escapism. Uh, you know, recognizing those and then catching them and deciding, making a deliberate choice about what I'm going to do with those. So, uh, when we talk about unconscious bias, this is probably one of the things that's maybe most prominent. Um, you know, you hear the term privilege, you hear all these different ways of talking about that. But, uh, you know, you might see somebody, you might meet somebody, and just based on this appearance, like, you may not think anything explicitly in your head about, about them, but you might have a feeling. And uh, this shows up in different ways. It shows up with ethnicity, it shows up with gender, it shows up with age, it shows up with weight and body structure, things like that. Um, Right, and so because you were writing and um, uh, you're addressing this gender bias and how to hack the gap, mm-hmm. and you wrote that um, your instinctive answer is to help people uh, is to help people more understand how the brain works, and that part as part of being a human being, we all have unconscious bias. No one is immune from it, and I really think that understanding that is kind of liberating. Mm-hmm. So, explain how the how does the brain work? 
So there's a um, so the brain itself obviously is very complicated, but there is a, a model that is a really popular model. It's uh, it was invented by Daniel Kahneman. He won a Nobel Prize for this, uh, and he, he talks about System One and System Two thinking. And the idea is that. Uh, most of us, when we think about thinking, we think about like sort of intellectual processing, you know, doing math or something like that. But the bulk of our time, the bulk of what we do is much more instinctive thinking. Uh, almost 80 percent of our day to day is instinctive thinking, and um, and it makes sense because if you think about how much information you're processing at any given moment, right? Like you have. You know, if we're in this room, there's signs and there's colors, and I'm I'm see your body language, and there's just so many things going on. So my brain has to have these like mental shortcuts, these rules of thumb about how I can process information, and that's good because you know if you're out <laughs> walking and you see a you know a ravenous, scary dog that's you know seething, you're like, okay, that means danger. I need to get out of here, right? Those mental shortcuts can be really, really helpful, uh, but they can also be really misleading. Um, and a big place that shows up is um, particularly in the patterns of what we see. So as it relates to gender, because I think that's what this article is referencing, um, you know, if you think about who who's seen traditionally as a leader, uh, if you look at the CEOs of the Fortune 500s, there's more there's more leaders that are men, uh, oh, sorry, men named John than women. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, we will take a break. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio, and we're talking about how do we have more joy, more joy, and more humanity at the same time. Uh, with us in studio is Sarita Parikh, and uh, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to connect this to the food movement. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. The British are coming! The British are coming! The British are coming! Hey, you there! I'm Paul Revere! The British are coming! Where is everyone? Ben Franklin dispatched an evacuation warning on Facebook. Didn't you get it? Hi, I'm Chad Hobart with Social Media MN. If your marketing is behind the times, contact us today online at socialmediamn.com or at 763-244-4058. We can help your business message get dispatched and selected on social media and Google search. We offer uncomplicated, results-driven, and affordable internet marketing solutions for businesses of all sizes. Socialmediamn.com or 763-244-4058. Did you realize that Drink in the Style is available on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much every other podcast platform out there? You can listen to past episodes of Drink in the Style or maybe download our really cool martini glass graphic or just listen to your favorite episode again and again. But if you do, I need to ask you for a quick favor. Hop online and give us a five-star rating. It helps others find the show and also boosts my fragile ego. Drink in the Style. It's a great way to kill Sundays or really anytime at all. Hi, this is Ryan, owner of Snap Construction. It's been great working with so many of the passionate AM 950 listeners over the years. We have realized how important AM 950 is to the community. I want to see AM 950 continue to grow and continue to thrive into the future. To help continue to grow, Snap Construction will be putting up proceeds to assist the station in marketing on social media. Snap Construction encourages you to do your part by liking and sharing the content on AM 950 social media platforms. This is Chad, owner of AM 950. Ryan has always told me the best time to get work done is during the cold months of the year because demand is much lower. He is backing that up again by offering 30% off labor on windows and siding from now until the end of December. Call Snap Construction now to get 30% off labor on windows and siding. As always, Snap Construction stands by their work with a lifetime craftsmanship warranty. Trust the company AM950 Trust Snap Construction, arguably the most well-reviewed roofing, siding, and window contractor in the metro area. Get a free estimate by calling 612-333-SNAP or find them online at snapconstruction.com. Financing options available. Visit the wine bar at Cafe Latte and enjoy a unique handcrafted pizza and glass of wine. The perfect place for an intimate night or an evening with friends. Choices range from spicy Italian sausage and sweet roasted peppers to the one-of-a-kind nacho chicken pizza layered with blue corn tortilla chips. The approachable wine list offers over 30 by the glass with special emphasis on wines from Washington State. End your night with one of Cafe Latte's melt-in-your-mouth desserts, 850 Grand Avenue, St. Paul. Stay with us. 
Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Headland, a student of of permaculture and a person who wants more joy, more joy in life. And what holds us back from that joy? Um, Could it be all the unconscious bias in our toxic culture, perhaps? (laughs) With us in studio is Sarita Parekh, and she has a a company called Jomanity. And when we're on break, you're talking about unconscious bias and how the brain works. Ah, yes. Um, So, yes, I think I mentioned that uh, there's more CEOs of Fortune 500 companies named John than there are women. And so what that so that on its own is obviously an equity issue, but what that does is that when you think about what a leader looks like, if what you typically see are men, uh, overwhelmingly men, then that paints a picture. And so if, if someone were to ask like can men be CEOs and can women be CEOs? Of course your answer would be yes, of course, that's a silly question. But uh, there was this study done at the University of Warwick, and this is something that you see in so many different ways, but I'll just cite this one study. of um, There was a leadership seminar, and people were asked uh, to draw a picture of a leader. And so people drew pictures that was men, women, every ethnicity um, in these classes, and they replicated this over and over. And consistently, people were drawing pictures of men. And so... Afterwards, uh, you know, after the people made their drawings, the researchers would come back and ask, oh, well, you drew a, a man. Is there a reason for that? And routinely people would say, no, 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 of course I believe any, anyone can be a CEO. I don't think it needs to be a man. Um, but that is kind of the nature of implicit biases. We don't even know that we have these biases. I myself, um, like I, I routinely find myself um, after the fact learning that like I had some sort of uh, – unconscious bias that I didn't know about that can horrify me. Like I had one um, that's it's really stuck with me. Uh, like I think about, I watch a lot of speeches, like watch a, go to a lot of talks, hear a lot of presentations. And something I realized a few years ago is that if I'm watching a man speak, it's I normally, if they're an engaging speaker, pretty quickly I, I'm, I'm in. I'm listening, I'm following their words, I'm processing all those sorts of things. I realized that when I would see female speakers, this is really horrifying to me, and I'm just telling you that. Oh, I'll share it. I'll leak, leak, leak yeah. share it with you. Uh, I realized that I would look at their hair and their outfit, and I would think about the cadence, and I would think about the pitch of their voice, and all of these things uh, that I didn't even know I was doing. And when I finally realized that I was doing that, I mean, yeah, you're, it's it's mortifying. Um, and I honestly, I mean, like, I, I think of myself as a, you know, as an old school feminist, I really believe in true gender equity, pay equity. I am on the board of an of the Elevate Network, which is a group that's focused on closing the gender wage gap. And so you can imagine how I felt. <laughs> yeah, but what kind of makeup is she wearing right now? You know, yeah. yeah, but but and how we got these messages and how we are on autopilot. And there's mm-hmm. people like uh, Stephen Pinker who wrote a book called The Blank Slate that 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 talks about yeah how uh, how much are we alive. Or not alive. I didn't say that right. But how how much we are influenced, unaware of 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 our influence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so these are all subtle things. And so when I wrote that, it's sometimes it's relentless. It's this relentless trip. It's like you're in a conversation and someone says, "Oh, a Trump voter," and then it's like, "Oh, everyone knows what that means." And yeah, over and and these things happen over and over, so that we we become almost like um, desensitized to them. And, and then and then we have these fast tracks. And I had I had a great example. I was driving with someone and I saw someone with that bumper sticker and I'm finding myself getting all emotional. I mean I'm like I'm really getting emotional just seeing this bumper sticker and the person looked at me and said, What if he just borrowed the car? <laughs> what if right. it's not really his car? And I was like, Oh. But but it was really surprising to me the level that the connection of the emotion to mm-hmm. to these um, to these biases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's a big part of it is that, um, you know, that's the nature of these sorts of conflicts is like we feel like so much anger and so we bring that into our relationships with people who might have voted differently. I have family members who voted differently than I did. Uh, and then they, you know, it's it's very normal. Like if someone is lashing out or if someone's angry or if their body language or their subtext is saying something that's where they don't respect you or anything – uh, then you naturally have a response to that, right? And it escalates. And, and given that um, that uh, those with resources, power, and those who want more power can manipulate mm-hmm. our emotions, mm-hmm. especially now that they have the social media, um, they can. Uh, th- there's there's a 
that that also scares me is because mm-hmm. I, I believe that there are people that really deeply, deeply understand the unconscious nature mm-hmm. of, of our humanity, and they want to um, mine that um, those weaknesses. There's there's probably two really good examples of that. I think one is called uh, confirmation bias, and mm-hmm. so it's very human to hear information that when you hear information that aligns to what you already believe, you take it as you are much more likely to notice it, store it, pack it away, the information that doesn't align to what you believe. You're much more dis- much more likely to discount information that you don't believe. Um, and so, you, of course, you see that on social media. That's these echo chambers is like I hear something and I'm only talking to people who already have my perspective. And then we keep sharing these perspectives. And now we're so extreme that if we hear somebody else's perspective, it's almost like, where did that come from? Yeah, it's very confusing to even try to mm-hmm. understand. That. Okay, mm-hmm. so how do we get more joy and more humanity with this backdrop? So in that spirit, I think um, I think it's a couple of things. Obviously, one is to really be cognizant of our thoughts. So one of the biggest, most influential things for us at Humanity is a uh, Viktor Frankl quote where he talks about the there's a, uh, between stimulus and response, there's a space. And in that space lies our freedom to choose, and in that in that choice lies our uh, lies our freedom and our growth. I mangled that, but you get the right. Choice. So, and Victor Franco wrote um, of Man's Search for Meaning. Man's Search yeah. for Meaning, yeah. and um, he was um, uh, um, in in the Holocaust, and and he was an Auschwitz survivor. That's right. So he was a psychologist, and. Uh, uh, Man's Search for Meaning is an incredible book. I will say I read it a few years ago over Christmas, and I think I was yes, I mean, in the dumps for months um, because it does show you also how cruel humanity can be at the same time. Uh, but in his case, he was um, he was very focused on mindset. He was very aware of like uh, the last place of freedom that he had was in his own mind. And so whatever was happening around him, that he had the agency, he had the, like in the midst of being literally bone level work you know 20 degrees outside he's working on the railroad he's getting whipped by a ss by a officer a nazi officer um and in the midst of that that he's making these choices about how he's going to be in the world and how he's going to see himself and the freedom that he still has in his own mind it is it's astonishing it's a it's maybe other level but when you read those things and then you come back and you look at where we are we're living in you know, the wealthiest time, we're living in one of the healthiest times, um, you know, we're living in the United States. It's, I mean, if you look at it sort of objectively, there's never been a better time to be alive. Well, it was a lot of exceptions to that, though. I mean, um, it's also, um, we're, we're experiencing collectively an epidemic of de- uh, depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And um, people find it harder economically to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, I half joke about this, but apparently hunter-gatherers only work 20 hours a week. Um, so, I mean, there's still, there's so much of this churn, it's like it's speeding up. So that even though, in a lot of ways, these are the best of times, there's also the worst of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that's part of why it's about building these habits around creating that space, creating that awareness, and then making deliberate choices. Because when we're in autopilot, you know, so if you think about depression, for example, one of the things that's really prominent right now, and this is, I think, exacerbated, exacerbated by social media, is uh, like looking at what other people have and then thinking like, oh, wow, why is my life not like that? Comparison, and it's kind of like treating ourselves as a thing instead of a being. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where we're going to come back, and we're going to connect this with the food movement. Okay. You're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Seward Co-op, serving the community for nearly 45 years, invites you to shop their two convenient locations, both offering the strong commitment to local producers and healthy foods you've come to expect. Seward focuses on locally grown and raised products, fair trade, and environmental sustainability. Shop their selection of meats, artisan cheeses, and house-made baked goods. Find Seward at 2823 East Franklin Avenue or the Friendship Store on 38th Street and 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. More at seward.coo. This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. Freddie, this generation of the baby boomers, people are living longer, so the baby boomers are taking care of elderly parents. Let's talk about your health, and specifically, let's talk about Medicare. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, and even entertainment. Join us for New Beginnings, Saturday mornings at 11, brought to you in part by Vision Loss Resources. 
Finding the right lawyer is incredibly stressful. It can be tough to know even where to start. Don't just run an internet search for an attorney. Start with the Minnesota Lawyer Referral and Information Service, an enhanced program of the Hennepin and Ramsey County Bar Associations. They'll connect you with over 200 thoroughly vetted, qualified attorneys practicing in over 50 areas of law. Call 612-752-6699 or go to mnlawyerreferral.org. The right call for the right lawyer. I'm Candy Braffel, publisher of the Twin Cities edition of Natural Awakenings Magazine and host of Green Tea Conversations, a new show for people who are on a journey to take responsibility for their health and play a more active role in their family's well-being. Join me every Sunday at 10 a.m. as I interview local experts who share the latest in natural holistic approaches in a fun and informative way. So grab a cup of tea and join the conversation as we awaken to natural health. Visit us at naturaltwincities.com. In the Army National Guard, family means everything. Our parents, they were really supportive that all five of us would join. I got my education because of the Guard. I got to travel a little bit and experience a whole different culture. It helped me get my job, it helped me pay for my house. Serving part-time in the Army National Guard instills pride that you and your family will share. Visit NationalGuard.com to learn more about part-time service. Sponsored by the Minnesota Army National Guard. Aired by the Minnesota Broadcasters Association and this station. The Downtowner Woodfire Grill in St. Paul is the perfect choice for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. Offering daily fresh seafood specials, fire-roasted meats, exquisite pizza, and half-price bottles of wine on Mondays and Tuesdays, except on Excel Energy event nights. Once you experience their cozy fireside dining, extensive wine list and bar, you'll be back for more. Gift certificates and private dining room for parties available. Located at 253 West 7th Street with plenty of free parking or online at downtownerwoodfire.com. With your AM 950 weather, this is Eric Nelson. Today will be mostly cloudy with a high of 28. A 20% chance of snow before midnight and temperatures rising to around 31. Sunday, a slight chance of snow again before noon with highs of 37 and a low of 20. Monday will be sunny with a high of 28 and a low of 15. AM 950 is brought to you by Eat Local Minnesota. Click away from the usual and find a list of one-of-a-kind local restaurants at eatlocalminnesota.com. From elegant to casual, exotic to comfort food, they've got everything and more. Find the full list of incredible nearby restaurants at eatlocalminnesota.com. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where we plan to nourish the seeds of change. I'm Laura Headline, and we're having a conversation about how to have more joy and more humanity in our lives. And with us in studio is Sarita Parikh, and uh, she has Joe Manatee. And one of the things we're talking about is how to offer ourselves individually and to offer each other more space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, so you would ask this question, how do, how do we cultivate more joy? How do we cultivate more humanity? I mean, it honestly is going back to the basics. There's, again, there's, I think there's, this is wisdom from thousands of years ago, from the Stoics, from the Buddhists, from Christianity, this idea that uh, carving out space um, for quiet contemplation, about reflection, about re like recharging throughout your day so that you can bring that that energy this you know who do i want to be how do i want to be in the world that you can bring that into uh, your relationships at six o'clock at night not just in the morning so for one thing that for me that i've always noticed is i would do yoga in the morning and at seven in the morning i would just say like oh be on my mat and i think all is well with my soul and i'm gonna go out and be this incredible being in the world i'm gonna spread light and peace and joy and then get the kids off to school and get to the office and meeting, meeting, meeting. And by 11 o'clock, I am a crazy person. Like I am like in my mind, I'm irritated. And like, like even if my words are right, like my body language is all, you know, is sort of, um, giving away the fact that I'm just frustrated and I'm tired. And so, uh, I think to your point about depression and, and anxiety, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons. There are definitely physiological reasons, but there's also a lot of lifestyle things that go into it, and it's back to the basics of making sure that we carve out space, that we nourish our bodies, that we're really aware of what we put into our bodies, not just through food, but also the content that we consume, mm -hmm. uh, that we actively replenish. And replenish doesn't mean go on your phone and scroll, because everyone, I mean, that's clearly documented. That's not a replenishing activity. Replenishing is going out for a walk. It's about looking at the sky. It's about connecting with somebody meaningfully. Um, but we don't do those things, and uh, we have these social norms around not doing those things. If you're in the line at the bank, I mean, not that most people go to the bank, but I do. I do. Everyone's scrolling their phone, right? Like, 
the art of small talk, small talk can be so satisfying, not for everybody, mm-hmm. but uh, but if it's something that you enjoy, I mean, it's just a way to connect with somebody, and we don't prioritize those things. And I think um, it's interesting, and so when we talk about social norms, I think it's about, like, being intentional and recognizing, like, there are habits, and having whatever it takes for you to be able to sustain those habits, because that is probably... I think that's one of the hardest things to do is sustain habits. Um, and I want to, oh, I want to, we want to talk about food here. Mm-hmm. So let's con- connect these conversations to mm-hmm. food and how we build a food ecosystem that really honors um, our humanity. And our humanity, is our humanity also tied to water as life and the quality of the soil and the air? Are all those things connected? Uh, I mean, I think many of us believe that that's the case. And I also think, uh, you know, it's probably not on the radar for a lot of people. It's not something to think about. Um, When we think about humanity, uh, when we think about it in terms of food, there's certainly the way that you nourish your body. Um, One of the ways that I think about it quite a bit, though, is around judgment. I think um, we've, (laughs) like everything else, the car that you drive, like there's judgment about that. The place that you shop, the food that you eat. Um, there's this joke if you know if someone's a vegan, you know it within the first minute of chatting with them, like um, because they're going to tell you, you know, and then you draw all these conclusions, right? You hear one piece of information, well, the series of assumptions come out of that. I read a great book uh, from Eric Fromm uh, called um, "To Have or to Be," and so it's like, am I okay? So I'm a vegan, or I'm I'm eating. How to, how to become more of of a being? And but what Eric Fromm said is, if we stay on what he labeled "have consciousness" or "I'm a, I'm a thing," not not you know. I, I actually I'm, I'm alienated from self. If I if I stay onto that, we will likely destroy the planet. If we can come down to being more human and being into our being, um, and so I often think of you know what would the dog do? You know, mm-hmm. imagine us if we were more if we treated each other a little bit like we would treat each other's dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. I think uh, it's a lot of it is the more 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 culture. It's like more status, more wealth. You know. Um, a bigger house and uh, more likes and all of those sorts of things. And I think, uh, obviously, those are not really meaningful um, representations of joy and happiness, but it is mm-hmm. our nature to pursue those things. And so I think it takes, in a lot of ways, it takes wisdom, it takes practice to be able to come back and think, what is it that's essentially most important about life? And it's about connections and it's about love and compassion and all of those, uh, humanity. Um but again, it's it's not what's lauded in our culture. It's it is really tough. It almost feels like you're going against the grain. You know, if everyone's out in the rat race, Lily Tomlinson has Lily Tomlin has this great quote that says that even if even if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. Right, yeah. right, <laughs> and, right. Uh, yeah, and so I think what you talk about Eckhart Tolle talks about something very similar. He talks yes. about being a human being, and he says there's the human part which is about you know working and interfacing and all those sorts of things. And then there's the being part. It's about being connected to something much bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love, I love Eckhart Tolle. And um, one thing I was um, very glad I found is nonviolent communication. And so one of the things, and I, I did it taught by Marshall Rosenberg. So um, one example I had in my life is, you know, a, a kid throws a tantrum and you're labeling the kid as a brat and you're labeling yourself as a bad mom. All of that churn is happening instantaneously. Mm-hmm. And and so to try to step away from that, um, kind of that half consciousness or that, you know, those words. And instead of saying things like, you're a brat, is saying things like, that loud noise is really bothering my ears because I need to have quiet right now. Mm-hmm. That when when uh, when these things happen, I feel this. So that mm-hmm. really going into that body and understanding our emotions, not from a labeling, you know, your fault, my fault, you know, reactive pattern, but to actually slow ourselves down enough mm-hmm. to be alive to each other. Mm-hmm. I think that's right, and I think I also think the corollary to that is that having the compassion to know that this child who's melting down. It's just a child, and they don't have they don't have the tools, they don't have the words, they don't have whatever they need to express themselves. In fact, a lot of adults don't have right, the right. facilities to do that. So, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, standing in the other person's shoes with with a lens of compassion as well. Yeah. Uh, now let's get back to uh, talk some more about food because mm-hmm. you're also um, on the board mm-hmm. of, of of Wedge Co-op, and um, so tell us about. Um, your uh, f- t- does food does the local food movement 
um, have power to um, shift our society to be more joyful and more humane with each other? You know, we think so. Uh, we think uh, one of the biggest, in my mind, one of the most vital pieces of the co-op movement is that uh, there's this notion of the triple bottom line. So if you think about traditional businesses, they, the, there's a fiduciary responsibility towards stakeholder value. Your key job is to maximize shareholder profits. And so you see this, uh, I've worked in corporate America for 20 years, and so you see this, you know, you think about uh, quarterly earnings reports, you think about end-of-the-year cuts because we've got to make the numbers, you know, all of these sorts of things. And there's this sort of routine, uh, even if there's this big long-term strategic vision for a business, the routine day-to-day practices can lead you back to, like, what is what are the numbers going to be this quarter, what are the numbers going to be this year? Um and it's almost a zero-sum game, right? Because you mm-hmm. can pay people fewer empl- fewer wages. You don't yeah. have to have the same responsibilities or relationships with your vendors. On the co-op side, with this triple bottom line, it's people, planet, and profit. And the idea there is that profits sustain a business, but that ultimately you have this res- fiduciary responsibility to the people, to the employees that you have, the customers you serve, the vendors and suppliers that you work with, the communities you live in. Uh, you have a, a re, um, responsibility to the planet about sustainable, in the case of the co-op, sustainable food production, um, sustainable transportation, clean transportation. And so with all of those things, it means that it's not just one number about revenue, top line revenue and bottom line profit. What it is is about this broader impact uh, to the communities around you. And so because of that, I think that there's just naturally um, a more humane perspective in that because you are thinking about the common good. Um, and I, I think it's interesting because there are more and more businesses that are talking about this notion of a triple bottom line, about a responsibility to people and planet. Um, and I really, the, I don't know if you're familiar with the B Corporation. B yes, Corporation. I am. Yeah. yeah. So B Corps B also have a, a, a fiduciary responsibility for the same. And they have um, an independent organization that actually comes, it's, it's not just something that's self-reported, you actually are monitored and tracked. Uh, and so I'm very hopeful, uh, especially with millennials, especially with Gen Z, it's a more and more socially responsible, socially minded uh, generation. And that is how to be more intentional around our economic activities, mm-hmm. especially in times where it feels so powerless. And so, you know, uh, being uh, mindful and, and, and intentional about um, purchasing decisions, small purchasing decisions can help build a, a more humane and, uh, and more just mm-hmm. and more joyful world. Mm-hmm. I think that idea of voting for your do- with your dollar is very true. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting, though. I do. This reminds me of a General Mills story. Um, General Mills actually made this big switch, as it relates to food. Uh, they made this big switch to moving towards uh, no more artificial food coloring and no more... Um, artificial flavors i think in 2016 mm-hmm. and they rolled out trick cereal uh, i don't know if you remember this but they rolled out trick cereal with natural food coloring um and so like your old tricks was like basically a bowl of like colorful marbles like really really shiny colorful things and then the new one was like sort of almost like subdued almost sort of grayish hues they launched this cereal um super proud they did this big press release then they got backlash from people who were buying tricks, and I read this Wall Street Journal article on it about uh, one of the people that one of the customers who complained said that eating the new tricks was basically like eating a bowl of, of salad. <laughs> it's like, well, uh, you know, here it is. Here's an organization that, that has the scale to really make a meaningful meaningful change. Um, you know, consumers are all over the place. What's important to some people isn't important to others. But I am I am excited that if a business as big as General Mills can start making, they can start pushing these changes, and they do that in response to consumer demand. Right, and um, I, uh, and yet when we talk about our joy, I mean, we are creatures of habit. And mm-hmm. so if I'm sitting there and I'm used to these shiny objects all around me, I'm going to, you know, and there's a change mm-hmm. that occurs, I may have a reaction, mm-hmm. right? And so how do I... And how do I slow myself down enough mm-hmm. to to um, to gain more awareness? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And also, I think obviously people can make their choices. So if they say, you know, I understand why you made this change. Like I, I recognize that this might be a healthier version, but I just like the old version. That's fine. 
make you you can eat whatever you want to eat but i think it's to that point just make, having that awareness that like instead of sort of like anger whatever yeah. that immediate response and is and the other thing though is i am actually a, with so much uh, by being i am aware of so many consequences a billion pounds of pesticides are used every year in the united states mm-hmm. What's going on with the toxicity in our water? What type of generation, what type of world are we leaving for the future generations? All these really difficult, painful issues Mm -hmm. that we seem to be, uh, climate change, we almost seem to be stuck, not able to find a way to to address or to solve these complex issues. I agree. I I think, um, to me, climate change is is almost paralysis the level of fear yeah the paralysis yeah and so on the we're going to come back it'll be our last segment and i want to actually get into artificial intelligence too but how do we wake up so that we can move in this paralysis and doesn't have something to do with joy and humans and finding our core selves i hope so uh you're listening to food freedom radio on am 950 the progressive voice of minnesota Tom Hartman here letting you know how you can save money with All Energy Solar. One of the myths about solar is that it's too expensive and you need lots of money down. The truth? Solar is available for little or no money down. And if you have a great site for solar, you might even save money right away on a monthly basis. So don't wait to switch. You'll see your investment pay off the sooner you switch to All Energy Solar. So start saving today and visit allenergysolar.com. I'm Connie Burek, co-host of Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show. Join Michelle Kitzmiller and I as we focus on all aspects of health, wellness, spirituality, and growth from a mind, body, spirit, emotion perspective. On the Awakened Living Radio Show, we will discuss stress, self-care, fear, happiness, beliefs, communication, joy, pain, trauma, and more. Join us for the Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show Saturdays at 10 a.m. Let us share with you ways to infuse vitality into life. Seward Co-op, serving the community for nearly 45 years, invites you to shop their two convenient locations, both offering the strong commitment to local producers and healthy foods you've come to expect. Seward focuses on locally grown and raised products, fair trade, and environmental sustainability. Shop their selection of meats, artisan cheeses, and house-made baked goods. Find Seward at 2823 East Franklin Avenue or the Friendship Store on 38th Street and 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. More at seward.coo. This President's Day weekend, bring your family to the Osprey Wilds Environmental Learning Centre, formerly known as the Audubon Centre of the Northwoods, on Grindstone Lake in Sandstone. The all-inclusive family weekend has locally sourced meals and winter activities like ice climbing, wildlife programming, skiing and much more. Reserve your spot at ospreywilds.org or call 320-245-2648. Osprey Wilds, experience your environment. Hi, I'm Peter Solak. And I'm Adam Ostrowski. We are here at Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces to talk about the joy of live fire cooking. Cooking over a live fire is the oldest and most basic form of cooking. What's new is in the way a fire is handled and its heat is managed. It's easier to experience and enjoy the smell and taste of food cooked over a live fire. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces sells and installs live fire grills, fire pits, and ovens. Let us help you experience the smell, the taste, the fun of cooking with fire. Pizza was first made and is still best made in an open fire oven. The radiant and conductive heat of a live fire is unmatched for wood roasting and baking artisan breads too. Come see the many ways you can cook over a live fire. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces has over 35 working wood and gas units on display at the corner of East Franklin and Riverside Avenue in Minneapolis. More information at woodlandstoves.com. Find the fire that works for you. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, out of the ordinary products and services since 1977. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where we plan to nourish the, uh, the seeds of change. With us in studio is Sarita Parikh uh, with Jomania, where we know each other's names. I love that song, Know My Name. And let's, let, I want to make sure we talk a little bit about artificial intelligence. So I think most people listening to the show knows what artificial intelligence is, but, but you wrote that artificial intelligence is exploiting our cognitive biases. What does that mean? Yeah, um, it's... Uh 
essentially artificial intelligence has uh, is based on data and so if you have a goal let's let's say youtube i think we talked about youtube earlier just to circle back uh, if the goal for YouTube is to get people to watch as much video as possible, so that is that's the whole revenue model. Is if you watch a video, they sell ads. The more time you're online, the more ads they sell, the more revenue they make. So um, the way the AI is built is that it looks for like what videos are people most likely to watch, and so in the recommendation engine, which is largely fueled by AI. Uh, it'll say like, okay, you just watched this video. All right. Well, you know, people who have maybe a similar psychographic profile to you or demographic profile to you, they also watch this other video and they watch the full length. And I get to sell two ads in the midst of that full length video. So I'm going to recommend that video to you. And so what that does is it means that sensational videos are much more likely to be watched. They're much more likely to be um, watched in duration, right? Because they're so sensational. Like, who's not curious about why the Earth is flat? Um, and so what that means is this AI was built without humanity built into it, right? Like, humanity is, you, you don't want to be promoting, you know, nobody at YouTube wants to promote um, the world, world is Sexual, flat, uh, Earth is flat, or, yeah, or any of these sorts of things. Uh, but it's actually really hard to build humanity and ethics into AI. So if AI is just built based on data, the data says that you're going to watch this video, even if this may not be how you intentionally want to spend your time. You may just do it because it's sensational and it's right there and it's captivating. One of the things that I've been deeply worried about is um, facial recognition. And so there's a story out in China now. Um, they're using facial recognition if you want to go on the local bus They'll, they'll use your, you just show them your eye, your face, and that's how they're monitoring it. And I've heard that a lot of the large food stores now have facial recognition technology. Um, so you walk into the store, they know who you are, they know your buying habits, they can personalize it all for you. But I find that deeply frightening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you, uh, you had sent me an article about this new Amazon technology in the Amazon grocery stores where it's... Um not even facial recognition, it's hand recognition. So you can wave your hand. And I think uh, if you think about that, there's obviously a privacy component. Um, and there's also this the component of being able to like take these micro, these small decisions that you make in the grocery store and be able to use that and sell that to advertisers. So one of the... But it's also, I mean, just control over the food supply. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't, uh, you don't play the game by our rules the way you want to play the game. I mean, if you read history, it is full of a lot of ugliness. And people have these um, horrible um, power dynamics. Um, it just it just really scares me um, that new technology, and so what I what I think is always the most powerful thing to do is define is is how to how to compete. So for instance, the organic food movement started because people were concerned about pesticides, so they created organic foods. Mm -hmm. I would love to see a, um, a responsible technology. These are the companies I want to support. Where should I? Where can I go that I know that they're not all my movements aren't aren't being tracked? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, this is a much deeper conversation. It's something I'm very interested in. I'd love to talk more about in other shows because of the facial recognition technology. Um, I, I'm afraid we're almost on a uh, um, on a train that we don't really see. Um, uh, we started this with hindsight is twenty twenty. Mm -hmm. We need to be foresight, you know. Yeah, I think these are all. I think a lot of these AI items are unintended consequences. People don't intend for these to be the case when they're when they build the software. But these are sort of just natural, you know, trends that the AI finds. It's it's all based on machine learning. It's based on like what are what are effective ways to get people to do things. What are what are habits and patterns that people take? Um, I. I think the food piece is, I think it's going to be a little bit of a long road because I think to the point that you made earlier, uh, at the end of the day, if it's automation in stores, that means less labor, it means lower costs, it means it's cheaper for the consumer. And so if, if a consumer goes in and they don't have to use a credit card, they just wave their hand, they just get what they need, they're in and out, and they pay less money, um, you know, that's really convenient for people. I think what's hard is we don't even recognize what we're trading off for for that convenience right and 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 then the cost to our joy and to our humanity yeah and I, these are the things where it's it's so pernicious like these these little dings happen you know daily so, ding 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 yeah ding 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 so if you're on social media you see this vitriol you know if i mean if you i was on social media and i saw somebody say something like i mean it was essentially a, a 
it was something like, I, I hope you die. And <laughs> I thought, you know, um, yeah, what's happened so that, like, if you were to ask that person three years ago, would you ever say that to somebody? You know, probably not, right? Like, what is it, what is that, like, sort of slow desensitization, this, like, path that sort of slowly gets you to this point? Um, and that's the case, I mean, I think we go back to Viktor Frankl, like if you think about the Holocaust, it's not like all of a sudden one day it was like the Nazi regime. It was like propaganda, sort of slow manipulation over time, um, you know, desensitization. Like these are things that kind of happen incrementally uh, and then they add up. And I think that's what's so scary. You might not be able to say it's any one thing. It's a lot of different things over time. And so what do we do? Um, do we just stay uh, paralyzed by the fear, which is maybe what we're doing with climate change, which is paralyzed by the fear. How do we, what's the way out? Yeah, so I think the first, obviously, or in my mind, the first thing is to get a hold of our own thoughts, our own feelings, and build our own awareness. Because once we do, we can be really conscientious about our mindset. And then we can make decisions. We can decide, you know, is this something that I can do something about? And if, and if it is, how am I going to go about doing that? And am I going to do it? What is an effective way? So, if I'm angry about something, am I going to go out and yell at somebody with outrage or, you know, make comments and, on social media or whatever? Because it's not very effective. It, like, goes back to the things that we learned in kindergarten and first grade. It's about, like, how do I find somebody with a different perspective and how do we take my perspective and your perspective? How do I understand where you're coming from? How do I help advocate for my own perspective? How do we find some common ground and find some compromise? And uh, it's not easy. It takes time and it takes work. But I think this model that we have right now of us and them and, you know, it's like uh, one political party is in, in power and then this other extreme political party is in power. It's like this ping pong. It's just it's unsustainable. Um, so I don't think any of it's rocket science. I think it just takes time and it takes work and it takes, takes conscientiousness. But that that's our goal at Humanity is to help people just build those skills and build social norms and uh, community around that. Great. And how can people find out more about you? Uh, Jomanity.com. How is that spelled? Uh, J-O-M-A-N-I-T-Y. It's joy plus humanity. Great. Uh, Sarita Parikh. Um, And so going out here in the last 45 seconds, we have such a wide-ranging conversation. I know I didn't get to um, a a couple of things I wanted to, but again, ending on this year, 2020, how we make it more joyful and more humane by being quiet. Yes, that's right. Creating space. That's Creating right. space mm-hmm. and getting out of us and them and understanding our own um, unconscious biases and, and allowing it to flow. And I think I'm going to end on this quote with Leo Tolstoy, Finding Meaning in a Meaningless World. For man to be able to live, he must either not see the infinite or have such an explanation of the meaning of life as to connect the finite with the infinite. Mm, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Have an awesome 2020. Thank you. You too.